I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and Schools, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here this morning for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It's Tuesday, October 3rd, 2023, and our catechesis today will continue in the book of Numbers. So we're in the wilderness, and uh, we're not quite wandering yet. Actually, we're journeying. The wandering will come later, for better or for worse. And uh, of course, in parallel, we're reading through the book of Hebrews, which um, despite being <laughs> um, a disputed book, I think is a helpful book to teach us how to read Leviticus um, in the way of Jesus. All right. So, uh, excellent sermon. Only a few, uh, I think, aspects of the book that might be contested as to its, uh, well, apostolic testimony. But uh, we've talked about those before when we read them. So, um, almost entirely, I think it's a, a helpful book. I actually have a long excursus about its inclusion in the canon. If you want to read that uh, from Dr. John Kleinig, if you like. Anyway, that's what we're reading today, and we'll be considering. So Hebrews and the book of Numbers. So let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right. Our psalm for the week is Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, and be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right. Um, This psalm is actually a great uh, example of uh, the way some of our hymns actually formulate a dialogue between the Father and the Son. You see that right there in the center center section. I will tell the decree, The Lord, that would be God the Father, said to me, You are my Son, Jesus. Today I have begotten you, only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. So we have that um, subordination of the uh, Father, or the, excuse me, of the Son to the Father, which is um, part of our doctrine of the Holy Trinity, um, but I suppose a little challenging to get your head around. I thought Jesus was, was true God. Yes, he is true God. And yet Jesus does indicate that he does the Father's will and that um, no one knows the day or the hour but the Father. Wait a minute, how can the Son not know the day or the hour? Only the Father. Well, there you go. Right? And so here, ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. And you will break them with a rod of iron, dash them with 
in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, of course, um, David was praying this psalm as king, uh, and in that sense, he is the anointed, right? So you have that double that double meaning. David can pray this as the anointed of God, who's begotten of the Father, that has given his office as king from the Father, um, and um, he is confessing that he all he has to do is simply ask, and the Lord will give him. And then, of course, he is encouraging other kings to be wise. But I think uh, we're rightly hearing the son of David, Jesus, and the way that he is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and to reject uh, Christ as king, um, even if you are a sovereign, you know, say a monarch or something like that, or a president, um, is to then um, to reject Jesus, and rejecting Jesus will never go well for you, <laughs> um, as our nations have seen, nations that are uh, contrary to Christ have seen and experienced. All right, let's pray our verse for the week, Luke twelve. Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Luke 12, verse 15. All right, covetousness. This is to desire um, not just what you don't have, but what has been given to your neighbor, right? As we rightly confess in both ninth and 10th commandment. Um, so as I pointed out to the children, it's not wrong to want something that you don't have, especially if it's something that you truly need, food, clothing, shoes, house, home, that kind of thing. Right? It's not one to, wrong to want them. Of course, you pray to God to give them to you. Um, and then also you utilize the, the gifts that God has given you. You work hard um, and you earn that which you need in order to uh, purchase them from those who have manufactured such things. All right? So they, they understood that rightly. Um, so there is a, a dichotomy of a sorts, I suppose, between uh, wanting and not wanting too much, between uh, desiring that which God has promised and not desiring far more than what God has promised. And so uh, Christians are, are, are caught kind of in a tension, right? Uh, we don't want to be greedy, and we don't want to um, uh, be jealous of what other people have. But at the same time, we know that God has given us our desires so that we, we want what is good for us. Uh, also, of course, because we are flesh, we want what is not good for us too. So we live in this kind of dichotomous relationship between wanting, but not, but not really wanting. <laughs> um, because we know that wanting can lead to all sorts of sin with our eyes and then with our hearts, our hearts and eyes. Right? Think of the uh, uh, Eve in the garden. Sometimes you hear um, economic theorists, uh, I won't name them by name, but, but say that they have a better economic scheme than uh, uh, so-called capitalism, where uh, we can actually uh, correct human desires. Right? Now they won't, well, actually, their original writers will say such things, that we can, we can fix the desires of the human heart so that nobody will be wanting and everyone will have. You may have heard these sorts of things. Uh, it's usually under the guise of equity and uh, distrib- distribution of, of wealth and this sorts of thing. Um, it is, uh, well, it's a fallacy. It's, it's felicitous. And it, it certainly cannot happen because actually rules and government can't change human hearts. We talked about that in Bible study and in the sermon on Sunday. Right? So, um, covetousness cannot be corrected with a better economic scheme. Now, certainly we don't want economic schemes that, that lead people into sin or that encourage them to sin, um, but working hard uh, for, for pay and then using that pay to provide for yourself and your family and those whom you love and, and for charity, for those in need, um, is not wrong. Actually, uh, the early church had to correct this immediately in saying, uh, he who does not work, um, let him starve, basically. <laughs> Right. Um, if you if you're hungry, then work. And that work has been given to us by God from creation, much like marriage. Right. He get, he made Adam to work the garden. Um, so work, work is valuable. Um, 
God gives voc- vocationally calls us into work in order to fulfill all of our vocations. But um, to work hard to gain an abundance of things and to possess them isn't the point, actually. Um, we work hard to gain the things that we need um, to support us in our body and life and to show love for our neighbor. But uh, not building bigger and better barns, to quote a, uh, one of Jesus' parables on the matter. All right, so it's a dichotomy, right? We want, but we don't want it too much. We desire, but we don't want to desire the wrong things or desire it for the wrong reasons. And we live in that tension then between our desires and what God would have us have. All right. So to that point, we'll confess the ninth commandment. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not scheme to get our neighbor's inheritance or house or get it in a way which only appears right, but help and be of service to him in keeping it. Tenth commandment. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not entice or force away our neighbor's wife, workers, or animals, or turn them against him, but urge them to stay and do their duty. All right. Now, uh, our first reading, continuation from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. All right, so uh, I quoted that last part uh, pretty frequently here as we've had our catechesis on the third commandment, remember the Sabbath day, uh, in our Sunday sermon and in some other contexts here as of late. seems to be something that uh, we're not terribly attentive to in that uh, what does the Sabbath day mean, all right? And uh, for that, you can go back and watch or listen to the sermon from Sunday, uh, which expands on that topic some more, according uh, to all of our confession of faith and life and flesh and all of that. Um, Notice here that um, the writer to the Hebrews rightly diagnoses why uh, we would even begin to uh, hear God's word and live according to it. It's because he has given us the full assurance of faith. He sprinkled our hearts from an evil conscience, so think of Ezekiel 36, creating me a clean heart, Isaiah, or excuse me, Psalm 51 as well. And then uh, our bodies are washed with pure water, so that's a baptism confession, of course. So we're made clean, we're, we're consecrated, we're set apart, uh, we're given new hearts, and a new spirit dwells within us. Um, and that changes us, right? This is a, a really remarkable assertion uh, that uh, the scriptures make and that I repeat to you uh, frequently is that God's word has its way with you, that um, to the one who's been baptized and has received the Spirit, and thereby the Spirit works um, that desire and will to listen and to follow, it will bear fruit with peace and patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, and the like. Here, love and good works, right? So even fulfillment of the law, in, in incompletely or imperfectly, of course, but, um, but not, not at all, right? We, we expect that the forgiveness of sins will actually change us, um, having washed and, and sprinkled us, right, in the language here of this. Um, so why wouldn't we want to receive that frequently, of course? Hmm. 
Well, the problem is, is that if we've been washed with pure water and our hearts been sprinkled from an evil conscience, then one of the th- uh, aspects of Christian preaching, which the right or the preacher to the Hebrews here does, I, I would assert it's a sermon, is we expose the evil that we hold in our conscience. In other words, um, guilty consciences are revealed, not necessarily in public, um, but to, well, to faith. And so uh, it was one of the hardest things about being a Christian preacher, and I've told you this before, but it's worth reiterating here, um, is actually revealing the hearts of men. Um, I don't take the light in it because it also, it always comes back to accuse me as well, um, right? So any preaching of the law accuses not only the hearers, but also the preacher. No one escapes um, that judgment, which is actually good because then um, absolution is proclaimed for all freely and without limit. All right, so why not exhort one another to be faithful in uh, the assembling of oneself and ourselves together in, in divine service, especially as we see all the terror and judgment in this world, rather than flee the church when, um, when afraid of what's happening. Um, actually, we would run to the church where God has promised to be for us in his word and spirit, working through sacrament and, uh, and the means of uh, Christian exhortation, brotherly love. All right. So again, I've quoted this quite a bit. Uh, now you can see why. All right, this is what Jesus is doing amongst us. Then our reading for catechesis, well, I guess additional catechesis, is uh, from Numbers chapter 10. So remember yesterday, um, we heard about um, how the pillar of cloud and pillar of fire, same thing, but just to, to a different appearance by day and by night, would lead the people um, to the promised land. So they would follow in faith, right? Obedience following faith. So now we're going to hear, begin to happen. And also uh, the uh, incomplete faith of God's people. Mm. Now it came to pass on the 20th day of the second month in the second year that the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle of the testimony and the children of Israel set out from the wilderness of Sinai on their journeys. Then the cloud settled down in the wilderness of Paran. So they started out for the first time according to the command of the Lord by the hand of Moses. The standard of the camp of the children of Judah set out first according to their armies. Right, and then the rest of the tribes are going to be named. Now, Moses said to Hobab, the son of Ruel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, we are setting out for the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come, to, uh, come with us and we will treat you well, for the Lord has promised good things to Israel. And he said to him, I will not go, but I will depart to my own land and to my relatives. So Moses said, please do not leave inasmuch as you know how we are to camp in the wilderness and can, you can be our eyes. And it shall be, if you go with us, indeed it shall be, that whatever good the Lord will do to us, the same will we do to you. So they departed from the mountain of the Lord on a journey of three days, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them for three days' journey to search out a resting place for them. And the cloud of the Lord was above them by day when they went out from the camp. So it was, whenever the ark set out, that Moses said, Rise up, O Lord, let your enemies be scattered, and let those who hate you flee before you. And when it rested, he said, Return, O Lord, to the many thousands of Israel. Okay, so uh, when was the cloud lifted up from the tabernacle? On the 20th day of the second month of the second year, it says, right? Now this is uh, connecting to a few days ago in our catechesis. Remember, they celebrated the Passover on the second year, on the first month, on the 14th day. But also those who were not um, present at that time or were ceremonially unclean were given then to celebrate the Passover a month later which would be the second year on the second month on the 
14th day of the month. So now um, their Passover is complete, six days, right? And uh, on the seventh day, they're going to set out, which is the 20th or thereabouts. All right. And the cloud comes to rest in the wilderness of Paran, which is a, quite a large bit of real estate um, just north of Midian, uh, Midian being part of the wilderness of uh, Sin. So I, uh, it's not exactly clear where this is, but uh, yeah, it's out there. And of course, that's according to the command of the Lord. Follow the cloud. So they do. Take up, you know, the Levites take up the uh, the tabernacle and, and all of its accoutrement, including the Ark of the Covenant, right? Um, we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, here, already a, another hint as to who's leading the way, not just uh, the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night, but which tribe, all right? They go out um, according to their armies, according to their regiments. First, the children of Judah. Why Judah, do you think? Now here you want to think of the uh, promise made to Jacob, uh, his farewell blessing to Judah. Judah, you are he whom your brother shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion who shall rouse him. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. That's peace. And he shall be the obedience of his people, binding his donkey to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine, washing his garments um, in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine, his teeth whiter than milk. So that clearly is prophetically speaking of Jesus, right? So Jesus is the promised ruler who will come out from Judah. And Jesus, of course, is then is the one who uh, leads the armies. And he is, I would suggest, in Joshua, the commander of the Lord's army as well. Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> Whom did Moses ask to come with the Israelites? Apparently they met out in the wilderness of Paran here. Is uh, Hobab, brother-in-law, son of Ruel the Midianite. Um, there's some dispute about this. Here it's listed as father-in-law. Ruel the Midianite is Moses' father-in-law. Hobab is his son, if that makes sense. Jethro um, some, so some have grammatically gotten a little confused here. Because Jethro is his father-in-law. Ruel was his father, right? I think. Um, so is Hobab and Jethro the same person? Mm. Anyway, little textual dispute there. Uh, but in any case, this is his wife's family. You remember, Midian, um, Miriam's family was uh, was uh, priestly of the order of, of Midian. Midian being um, descendants. Uh, Midian being one of the sons of Keturah. Remember Abraham's um, wife's handmaid, one of the ones who bore children to him. All right, so um, descendants of Abraham, but um, not Yahweh believers, it appears. Anyway, but Obed says no, he doesn't want to be with them, right? He wants to go to his own land and to his own people. This is um, the rejection of, of faith, of the call to faith, right? The work of the Holy Spirit here. Moses still implores Hobab to, to come with him, saying um, that he, Hobab, would know where to camp and could be like spies because he knows the land. Um, this is, did I put up on the title frame? Yeah, uh, no, this, well, it's a pretty good image of what Paran might look like, but it is terrain, it's rough terrain. It, there's not a lot of grazing land and um, many hills and valleys. So um, it's very likely that you would need people who are well acquainted with the terrain. Uh, as spies. So that's what it looks like Moses is after here. Uh, and Moses kind of repeats a promise that had been made to Abraham, right? Whoever um, 
is with you, I will bless, you know, I will bless you and I will bless those who are with you. So this happens uh, whenever Abraham's around, the people with him are blessed. And so this is what Moses wants for his wife's family, Hobab. Mm, all right. But uh, we'll talk more about that in a minute. All right. So they set out from the mountain of the Lord, and that is called Mount Sinai, also known as uh, Mount Horeb in Exodus. All right. And how long did they travel? Three days. Three days, of course, seeking a place for rest. All right. And who's going to give them rest? Ultimately, Jesus. Come to me, all you who are heavy labor, heavy laden in labor, and I will give you rest. All right. And then we have this bit about the ark. Uh, so we haven't really had much with the ark leading, but we had the cloud, and uh, of course Moses, and then Hobab as well. But now we have the ark. So whenever the ark set out, so of course the cloud would move first, then the ark would follow um, at the hands of the Levites. Moses would say, rise up, O Lord. Right Now why would he say that? When the ark is moving, why would he say, rise up, O Lord? Here you want to go back to Numbers 9. Um yeah, the cloud. Well, the Lord has attached Himself to the visible sign of the cloud, um, but also to the ark and to the tabernacle. All right, this is very helpful when we think of um, how Jesus fulfills these. He is the mercy seat of God. He is the um, atoning Lamb. He is the uh, tabernacle, the dwelling place of God with man. Um, he is the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night that leads the people. He is the commander of the Lord's army who who defeats all enemies before him, right? So here, but that's attached here to the ark itself. Let your enemies be scattered and let those who uh, hate you flee before you, right? So I don't think Moses is um, adding to God's word here. I think he's confessing um, the truth, is that if God has attached himself to these things, then the enemies will be scattered before him, right? That Jesus would attach himself to signs should not be foreign to us as Christians, but we'll talk about that, I suppose, in a second in our summary. All right. What did Moses declare when the ark came to rest? It's time to rest. Return, O Lord, the many thousands of Israel, right? And to rest in the Lord and in his gifts. Be interesting, um, there wouldn't be sacrificial offerings made while the cloud was moving, right? Only when it came to rest, then would they rest um, around the temple, excuse me, tabernacle, and receive their word and gifts again. Hmm. So maybe uh, kind of a picture of the Christian week, right? Um, each day we live in the resurrection and in the Sabbath, but also uh, between our gatherings together, as we do around word and sacrament, um, you know, we're given to uh, wander a bit in the world, I suppose. Not really wander, be led, um, discipled, if you like. All right. So a little bit more about Moses and Hobab and what's going on here, or Hobab, excuse me. Moses invited Hobab to be his eyes, but the Lord had already promised to lead them through the, by the pillar of fire by night and pillar of cloud by day. They didn't need eyes. The three days of travel remind us once again that only the Trinity can lead us in the way of life. So death and resurrection, but also God the Holy Trinity. Hobab's refusal marked him as one who did not desire the life of the Trinity, but the life of this world. So Jesus calls us to follow him rather than father, mother, husband, wife, or anyone in this world. He has set us apart by baptism, that in his church we might have all good things the Lord gives us to share. Holy baptism, the preaching of the gospel, holy absolution, and the blessed sacrament of Christ's body and blood. Now he dwells in the tabernacle of our bodies, and we bid him daily to rise up and scatter our, our enemies until we reach our final rest. Okay. Well, let's sing a few stanzas of our hymn here. 
comfort in sadness. These are thy words, all the glory be thine. Times without number away or in slumber. Thine eye observes us from danger, preserves us, causing thy mercy upon us to shine. Father, oh, hear me, pardon and spare me. Call all my terrors, blot out my errors, that thy thine eyes they may no more be scanned. Order my goings, direct all my doings, as it may please thee, retain or release me. All I commit to thy fatherly hand. Okay, we'll continue with prayer. Pray the collect uh, for this day. Lord, we implore you, grant your people grace to withstand the temptations of the devil, and with pure hearts and minds to follow you, the only God. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Most merciful God and Father, you teach us in the ninth commandment that we should not make an idol out of the things that belong to others, but that we should help and be of service to our neighbor in keeping what belongs to him. You have called us in love to look out for and protect all the temporal gifts that belong to others. For Jesus' sake, forgive us for every form of covetous desire and envy, for insisting upon having things that you have not given us, and for being preoccupied with finding ways to get more and more for ourselves and for making plans to obtain things from others by claiming that we have a right to them, and they do not. And do, they do not. Guard the thoughts and desires of our hearts. Rescue us from every form of greed and selfishness. Teach us to love our neighbor by being of service to him and protecting what you have given him. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Pray this day for deliverance against temptation and evil, for the addicted and despairing, for the tortured and oppressed, and for those struggling with sin. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. Pray this day in Thanksgiving with Stephen, celebrating his birthday, with Jonathan celebrating his baptism, with the households of our church, Jeremy, Terry, Jerry and Marla, Dennis, Brian, and Eric. Pray in Thanksgiving for Marcy, who received the gift of healing, with Allie and Teresa, who have been welcomed into communicant membership here. We also pray for our ongoing catechesis, especially that of Wyatt, James, Aaliyah, Lydia, Charlie, Kaylee, and Kimberly. Pray for those who are ill, receiving treatment, or recovering, especially Pam, Joe, Dennis, Christopher, Sophie, Brad, Ron, and Doug, Bev, Donna, Joan, Sandy, Jim, Pat, Wendell, Darlene, and District President Willie. Pray for our homebound, Marcy, Marion, Dan, Paul, Dolores, Merlin, and Pauline. Continue to pray for the Federowitz families, our mission of the month. Oh no, we have a new mission. Why did no one tell me? Hold on a minute. Uh, Let's see, missions of the month for October is Orphan Grain Train. All right, I should have adjusted that. Sorry. I pray for the Orphan Grain Train and that uh, the Lord give us generous hearts to support their work. Uh, And we pray for those grieving, especially the family and friends of Kelsey. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Okay, that's our congregation of prayer for today, uh, Tuesday, October 3rd, 2023. It's good to have you with us here, and I hope uh, you can join us again tomorrow at 9 um, or via replay or podcast, however you listen or watch. I'm glad you were here with us. I hope that was edifying for you. Uh, like I said, we already saw the kind of, I think, the seeds of unbelief in Moses and looking to bring Hobab on board, a pagan, by the way, even though he's family, an unbeliever, um, to be, well, to help God <laughs> and their journeying through the wilderness. God doesn't need need our help. Um, he had promised, and he will keep his promises. And we'll see kind of, I think, the, the fruits of that um, unbelief, right? I guess there'd be bad fruits, like we saw with the golden calf incident. So we'll see again tomorrow. Um, not a full trust that God is going to provide for them as they journey through that the wilderness. All right. So God be with you all. Keep you safe. We'll see you again in the morning. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.